Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Weekly Impact from Elevation Community Church here in Blanchester, Ohio. Um, my name is Brent Smith. Once again, I am here to be one of your hosts for this podcast as we go along. I uh, just wanted to say hello and thank you for joining us again. It is Tuesday, November 14th, and um, we're going to read through Acts 24 today. Um, we have multiple people that are going to be joining us on the uh, podcast today. One of them that we have with us is a special guest, Alan Unversaw. Alan, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> hello, and, um, and we also have um, everybody just go around and introduce and, and, and all that stuff. Jacob Kingsley here again, youth pastor at Elevation. This is uh, Pastor Phil Nelson. Pastor Daniel Yelverton. All right. So that's all of us here today, um, and we aren't going to waste too much time today. We're going to do basically what we did last week, um, read through the chapter, and then we will discuss that, um, and we're going to have Phil, Pastor Phil, lead us again today. So uh, Phil, if you want to go ahead and take that. Sure. Just like you were saying, we, um, we, we take the acronym of SOAP. So if you hear us say soap um that's what we mean we mean we're going to read the scripture and the o stands for observations what pops off the page what stands out to you any questions that we may have anything uh background history context all that wonderful stuff and then we have the uh, a which is application what's it mean to us and how can we apply the scripture uh, to become more and more like jesus and then um P is we we pray. And so why don't we get started again? Um, what Brent said was Acts 24. We are going to be reading through the English Standard Version just to keep everyone on the same page, pun intended. So <laughs> let's same start. as last week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Verse one. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix... Reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than twelve days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or storing up uh, a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. Having a hope in God which these, me, these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. 
So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult, but some Jews from Asia. They ought to be here before you and to make an accusation, should they have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Jesus Christ. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away from the present. When I get the opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. All right, that ends chapter 24. So, gentlemen, what kind of observations can we draw from this text? So, first of all, it's a honestly a thrilling like narrative of Paul's courtroom experience because you have Tertullus. By his name, he's probably a Roman lawyer, so he knows the legal system pretty well. And Tertullus is, like, sucking up big to Festus. He's, mm-hmm. like laying on the flattery um for rome any roman official the pax romana was like super important and so he's like you've given us so much peace like you know you're great and we really appreciate everything you're doing which he was representing a jew by the way don't forget my name yeah yeah and um the jews didn't like the romans at all and so he was kind of lying through his teeth for the jews just to to flatter the judge in order to get a favorable result out of him. Hmm. Observations? What kind of hit me at the end is the time that lapsed here. You know, it sounds like it's just happening. It's maybe a few days, but you get at the end, it says when two years had elapsed, Felix had succeeded uh, by uh, Portius. So there's a lot of time going on here. Mm -hmm. And Paul was in prison that entire time. Mm -hmm. What's amazing though, is that like, Paul has been on his missionary journeys, right? And so, like, the the thought is that that is the most important thing. Like, he's going and he's planting churches, and a lot of these amazing things are taking place. Like, we read about all of these awesome things that is happening in Paul's ministry, and then he gets stuck. Like, he's stuck in prison for two years. He's not able to go on missionary journeys. He's not going out and planting churches and you're kind of wondering, like, why? Why is all this happening? What's amazing, though, is while in prison, Paul has the opportunity to write most of the New Testament because he's writing to the churches that he's planning. 
And so you think about the impact that being in prison had for Paul. In that moment, he was able to write down so many things that have led so many people to Jesus over 2,000 years and still continue to lead people to Jesus. And so I guess the for me, I know we'll maybe jump a little bit to application because that's, this is an observation to application, is that God can take any season and make it fruitful and make legacy impact in it regardless of what you're facing or what you feel like you're in. It's it's almost like the, what happened earlier when in Acts chapter 8 when Philip was part of the revival in Samaria and then God told him to go, hey, chill out on mm-hmm. a desert for a little while. Mm-hmm. But then he ran into the Ethiopian eunuch and then he got saved and that started the church in Africa. And so you think like, what are you doing here, God? Why am I in prison? Like, this is like awesome. Like I'm doing a lot of great things for the ministry, but Paul is being used in this moment. And I guess for me, that's the encouragement is that regardless of whatever season I'm in, the Holy Spirit and God can use me to be fruitful and to make an impact regardless of where you are. And so whatever season we're in, whether it's a stay-at-home mom, you know, whether it's a tough work situation, whether it's just maybe just a time of burdensome or you just don't feel like you have the opportunity to do some of the things that you want to accomplish, God is working and moving, and this is a testimony to that. And we can see so much fruit happening from Paul just being obedient and available wherever he was. And and I just, for me, that just jumps out. Yeah. yeah. And I'll say, too, like, <clears throat> I can vouch for that, for the fact that um, before I came here, before my job here started, I was so unhappy at my previous job. And I was there for eight years. Every day I was just getting screamed at by people that were unhappy with things that I didn't have anything to do with a lot of the time. And um, the only thing that got me through was the fact that I knew that I was still there because God wanted me there for some reason. Like that was it, you know, that's how I didn't lose my mind because um, there were many chances to do that. (laughs) And um, I can see now looking back, there were so many opportunities that um, I had come in contact with people that I wouldn't have, that I was able to either share Something about something about you know our faith, our Christian faith, and and share something about Jesus, or just in being like living the way that we're supposed to live, it, it affected people, or it could have affected people. So um, I don't know. I, I just I I fully believe that that's that's the case in those situations. Um, another thing that I wanted to say on observation, I just love the fact that the that um, Paul and whoever else is going out into these new places and they're trying to spread the gospel. <coughs> The way that they are portrayed, the way that the people talk about them when they take them, like in this situation, they said that he's he's going around and inciting riots and stirring things up. <laughs> I doubt he's going around like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you know, he's probably just like peaceful and quiet and nice and walking in and talking to people, and they stir themselves up into a riot. Mm-hmm. But it's it's said that it's his fault, so I just love that at the beginning of the chapter where they say that. It's really interesting the different charges that are brought against Paul, and um, in our podcast last week, we were talking about Paul in Athens and how he doesn't set out just to prove them wrong, and he's not arguing with them. He's showing them grace. But people are accusing him of these things, and he's, he's very smart. He goes through each and every accusation. He tells it why it can't be the case. I mean, he's like, I was literally only in Jerusalem for 12 days. You think I could have started a riot and, like, this whole rebellion in 12 days? And he's talking about all these different things. And then he basically says, you know, this last charge, like, you got me. It's it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial today. So he's like, so if you want to try me, 
for what I believe in Jesus Christ, then you got me because mm. that's why I'm here. That's why people are upset. Mm. So that's the only thing that you can find that's true about me. Wow. And so he leaves that at the end, kind of drops his mic. <laughs> is there anything that like, is there anything that just strikes you? Maybe even spiritually as we transition into application. Is there anything I'm, that speaks to you? I, I just, you know, kind of hits me right here where Paul's doing the right thing. He's operating in the spirit. He's not causing rights. He's not causing anything that he's been accused of. But by exposing the light into the darkness, the the people who are don't believe in Jesus, don't believe in the resurrection, are so angry by it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of see that as, um, I don't know if I would call this necessarily spiritual warfare, but when I look at my own life, when I kind of step into... Um, the spirit and I'm operating knowing that I'm, you know, maybe guiding somebody to the Lord, um, trying to teach my children something. Anytime I take those steps, there's always something that follows um, uh, more of an attack or, you know, a challenge. And I don't say that to discourage anybody, but just to have their eyes open that when they are pursuing God, there is going to be resistance because something trying to keep you from a great thing. And yeah. if there's that much resistance, how good is that thing that we are pursuing? Yeah, exactly. And I think you make a great point though, just even about just detecting spiritual warfare or at least conflict in this is that in the courtroom, this is really, it's they're They're trying to figure out the truth. It's a challenge over truth. Like what is, what really happened here? That's why there is the, um, there's the accusers. And then there's also the defense. And like you said, Jacob, Paul, he refuted all the lies, mm-hmm. but he stood on what he knew was truth and what he firmly believed. And I think from a spiritual warfare standpoint, that that is a constant thing that we're always battling. If there is a courtroom that's going on in our mind or even in our souls, mm-hmm. it is over truth. And we have people that are, whether eloquently or how powerful they try to come against us to, to accuse us, to make us to believe lies and the more I, what I love about Paul here is that he's firmly established in what he believes. He's of a sound mind and what he what, and he knows what he's willing to defend and what he's willing to fight for, as opposed to what are the things he's able to just push away or know that those are not lies or that he doesn't identify with that at all. So d- despite him having this pushback, this fight, you know, he's in the courtroom, like you said, uh, many books of the Bible come out of this, so there's this great blessing for all mankind, all society from this point forward. Um, so God works in miraculous ways. Even when <laughs> we, we are in uh, the valley or appear to be in the valley, um, God's going to take that, that weakness, that brokenness, and bring it to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. So anybody that's in that valley right now um, or they, they think they're um, at, at the floor, um, be looking up because that's where that we're mm-hmm. the Lord's going to carry you to. I mean, just think about it too. Um, in chapter 24, we also see the results. I mean, we could look at it as really a sorrowful thing that Paul is now in prison and he's going to be there for a while. And then he's left and he's forgotten. And, uh, that, that can be very, I mean, I think all of us can relate to the feeling of just feeling forgotten almost waiting on a dream. Maybe you've even felt called to something and you just feel like it's been forgotten. Like it's just, it's almost like this dead space. And Paul, even though he may feel that way, he takes every opportunity he has 
And now he's impacting high officials, not just in the Jewish realm, but the Roman government realm. I mean, he is, had he not been there in court and accused, falsely accused, he wouldn't be able to share his faith with Felix and his wife, Drusilla. And, um, but you look back of where Paul came from, from the Damascus road, of being changed by the Savior Jesus. And then all of his ministry, he has seen incredible things, but he also has incredible uh, resistance. He's been beaten. He's been left for dead. He has been falsely accused after one situation from the other. And I think of A.W. Tozer's quote that has really impacted me greatly in my life is, God cannot use a man mightily until he's wounded him deeply. And I I don't necessarily associate God using someone mightily in Paul's situation of being accused and in prison. But we see this as he is used now in prison to write most of the New Testament, which we are now impacted but Paul wouldn't have been able to do that unless he was wounded deeply throughout his ministry and learning to grow and God transforming him through what he experienced in life. I, I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but to those yeah. who are who are in life or can relate to um, just waiting on God and not really understanding how the pieces of the puzzle are all fitting together, God always, always works for the good of those who are called to his purposes and love him Mm -hmm. so kind of like i think what's also really cool is that we can see like the macro impact of paul being in prison with all of his letters and stuff like that they wrote but paul also saw the impact in the moment like he was able to see how him being in prison was affecting the believers and that gave him confidence so i'm gonna jump to a different verse here so this is philippians 1 and it's uh, verses 12 through 14. And this is Paul speaking. And he says, I want you to know, brothers. So this is one of the letters. So this is a letter to the Philippians. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the words without fear. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, the brothers around him, even though he's in this moment of probably, like, I'm in prison, I'm in chains, he's still impacting not only the people that are trying to enslave him, so the, the ones that are that he's in chains to, but also the people around him are noticing, the brothers around him are noticing his joy in the midst of this circumstance, and that is giving them boldness. That is giving, that is empowering them. And I guess so this is jumping to more encouragement for people that do feel like they're in that season of just waiting or of, of you know, barrenness or whatever it may be, that as you respond with that season, with the gospel in mind, then that changes everything around you in the process because people are going to notice. And when you have a different response you can imagine how much that's going to impact not only your family, but the people that are around you, just like how Paul, this happened to Paul, as we see in Philippians 1. Mm-hmm. I think something along that vein that's really cool, and it gives me hope, is, is Paul doesn't wait for the perfect opportunity. 
you read all throughout Acts, and like Paul, I don't know if he had any perfect opportunities to present the gospel. It's always in like weird positions. Um, and near the end of the chapter, um, when it's talking about Felix and his wife, mm-hmm. Felix keeps calling him like to come and talk to him because he's hoping to get a bribe. So each time he's like, hey, Paul, you uh, want to get out of prison sometime soon? How's that going for you? And Paul's just like, so I actually know this about righteousness and like about Jesus. And he just like jumps right in. And he's just like, oh, I'll, I'll call on you another time. But it yeah. says he called him often for a bribe. And and then seeing he was probably sharing the gospel with those prison guards. He was sharing the gospel with different churches through the forms of letters. Being in prison, being in that situation, being oppressed like that and physically in chains is not the ideal situation to like feel joy and to share the gospel but paul doesn't wait for that and so that's encouraging to me because often i feel like i'm not in the ideal place to share the gospel or to do something and paul is showing that the holy spirit often puts you in those positions to do something that isn't expected for the kingdom of god i think this is this is so great as far as not just the chapter a day, but this podcast. For those of you who are listening, uh, this is not a scripted discussion. Uh, Some of us even come in not even reading the chapter beforehand and reading it afresh. And this discussion is all impromptu in the sense of what is on our hearts and what is God saying. And so just in the last 10 minutes, we've talked about Paul's response and his reaction to the predicament uh, that he was in, allowed by God's righteous, sovereign hand. Let's make a switch real quick, uh, since uh, Jacob mentioned about the discussion with Felix and his wife. So now let's talk about someone who is hearing the gospel, someone who has presented the good news of Jesus, and what their options are, and how so often people push it aside. So Felix and his wife are sitting with Paul. And like you said, Jacob, he doesn't take the bribe at all Mm -hmm. uh, or take that opportunity. He takes that opportunity to present Jesus. So number one, how often are we aware of the opportunities given to us every moment of every day to present the gospel? Number two, um, I think it's interesting that Paul, he is addressing exactly what Jesus addressed to the disciples in John 16. So John chapter 16, verse 8 through 11. And what Jesus is uh, is saying is exactly what Paul is reiterating, is that the Holy Spirit would convict people of three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. These three things, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, would bring people to faith in Christ. I personally think that's amazing that Paul is just right there um, reiterating the words of Jesus. So point number two, we as followers of Christ, we need to know the words of Jesus. We need to know what he stood for and what he spoke, and that way we can always give the message of hope without excuse in every season. And so here's the response of Felix. Isn't it interesting that Felix was okay talking theology? I don't know if you've noticed that. 
he was okay talking theology. His wife was a Jew, and they were okay with that. But when it became a personal matter of Felix's moral compass, what does Felix do? I mean, he gets uncomfortable. He's probably totally fidgeting all over the place, and he says, I'll come back. Well, did he ever come back? No. Years later, he's replaced and he's gone. And so I think that brings up a point that you guys can definitely chime on in is a lot of people are uncomfortable when you start to talk about more, the moral issues of life, especially addressing what Jesus addressed, yeah. sin, mm-hmm. righteousness, and faith. And so people are either going to receive it and understand it or they're going to fidget and get uncomfortable, or they're going to leave and probably never come back to address it. Mm-hmm. What does that do for you guys? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I can say that I actually just, I know somebody that did this recently. Um, they were here, somebody that I know, they were here for a service, and um, we got done, and I was coming down off the stage to look for them to say hello and all that stuff and see how they liked it, and they were gone. And I was like, um, texted him, Where, where'd you go? Are you still here? Oh, I had to come out to the car real quick. So I go out to the car real quick and they say goodbye and stuff. But I found out later after somebody that they talked to, they said, I just felt like the preacher was talking directly to me and I was so uncomfortable. I had to get out of there immediately. They wouldn't tell me that, but they told somebody else that, that I found out later. So, you know, I think it is when it comes to the morality of it. And I think it comes to how they're living. I think they feel very, um, on the spot and uncomfortable because of it, because it makes them examine how they're living their life and it makes them realize, Ooh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I'm not doing things right. But instead of facing that, it's easier to run from it sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think another aspect of this too is um, like you were saying in verse 22, it says, but Felix having a rather accurate knowledge of the way. And then his wife was a Jew. And so he would have known about the scriptures, the old Testament, and the prophets, we see over and over again in as we've been reading through John and Acts, all these different people know. Like, they know about God. They know the scriptures. They can tell you what it says. He knows the way, which is what they were calling Christianity at the time. But he doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't have that relationship with him. And that's where Paul is trying to get. You don't see him just trying to argue for the existence of God um, like he does in Athens or all these different things, but he tries to get him to understand that moral aspect, that there's a difference between just knowing what the Bible says and knowing yeah. and having that relationship with Jesus. My pastor at the church uh, I went to when I was in college put it this way, and I'll, just, I'll never forget it. He said the largest or the longest 17 inches in the world is from the head to the heart, and it's the, the knowledge, the intellect of theology is nothing in comparison to the open heart of allowing a relationship through the knowledge, mm-hmm. but it's the biggest gap uh, that we'll ever face mm-hmm. while on this earth is between the head and the heart. Mm-hmm. Something else, just going back to the whole, your d- different seasons of your life and, and how the Holy Spirit is working in them. I don't know off the top of my head how many exact times, but Peter and John were delivered out of prison by the Holy Spirit and angel of the Lord. Paul at different times was rescued from prison. The jail um, jailer comes in, it's like, where to go? And then he's scared for his life all these different times. It's not like the Holy Spirit was like, oh, sorry, Paul, you're, 
you're out of my reach this time. Like he clearly could have just been delivered like that. He could mm-hmm. have influenced the situations that way Paul could have been gone and, and been free. But sometimes the Holy Spirit's plan for our lives in order for a larger impact on the kingdom, larger impact in our own life, doesn't look very delightful to us. It looks pretty terrible. But God is going to do something in that. That it's not that he doesn't have power, but that he's choosing something better for us, even if we don't think so. And I think that's a huge faith step for many people, just be, or even myself too, because you you see different instances where God came through, and you see we read this in Acts, and you hear about it in other people's lives, whether it's financial or health wise or whatever it is, God came through. And the question, if it's if you're in that period, is, well, God, why are you not coming through for me? You know, why am I still in this season? Why is this still happening to me when I see you delivering all these other people? And we can begin to compare. We can begin to think God's not fair or he's distant or he's angry at us. And all sorts of issues can kind of come out of that. And and I think like what you're saying, Jacob, is that we need to um, see what's really going on here, that the Holy Spirit is using this for an amazing, amazing impact. And so just even just stopping and trusting God for his promises and his character and who he is is almost like a way to refresh ourselves, to refresh, almost renew our mind because of the circumstances that we're going through. Because if not, we'll begin to start making assumptions about God or our situation that's not true. And what happens is when we do that, we end up probably robbing ourselves of the opportunity to be used in such an impactful way. I mean, if Paul's sitting here complaining and, mm-hmm. you know, constantly praying, God, get me out of prison, God, get me out of prison, God, get me out of prison, and just not seeing this as an opportunity to further the gospel by either emboldening other believers, which that's another thing in itself, is letting our suffering embolden other people and bless other people, that's a hard thing to swallow too. And so you have <laughs> that, and then also he's seeing, he's, this is his opportunity to write all these letters, he's using this uh, this time, this season. And I, I want to encourage, I want to I say this to myself, because when I go through this, I want to trust God regardless of the season, because I want to experience the fruit of the season and not miss out on that. Um, and it makes me think too. I was listening to another podcast um, a couple weeks ago, and um, they talked about like the butterfly effect. They they said you know um, one small thing if you're obedient mm-hmm. can that small thing can turn everything around. It, they, the example that they used was they were living with a friend right out of college, and that friend said, um, "Hey, I just visited." whatever it was, Arizona, and I'm going to move there, so you need to start looking for a new place because I'm leaving, and we're not going to be able to afford this apartment anymore because I'm not going to live here, and you're going to have to move somewhere else. So he ended up, from that moment, going, man, I need to, I guess, look for a job, and he got online, looked for a job, and it was a ministry. Um, got a job within six weeks. He was living like across the country somewhere else, and the friend ended up not even moving. But it's those little moments that motivate you to do things or don't motivate you to do things that the ripples from it can completely change everything. So obedience and, you know, being joyful and being the example in those situations where you might not feel like it, but doing it anyway, you should because it could change somebody's life. Just the smallest thing that you could do. So Mm. that's good. (laughs) 
<laughs> so anything um, else? Yeah, I've, I've got some here and, and trying to relate it to what's being said. I'm, I'm applying this to something that happened to me today and looking at uh, Paul spending all this time with Felix and, and pouring into him. And I have somebody that um, that I know that's really struggling and this person cannot forgive herself for past sins. And it's always holding her back where she, um, there's bitterness, there's anger, um, unforgiveness to others because she cannot forgive herself. And I'm just looking at this, and and Paul's talk, reason about righteousness and self-control and coming to judgment. And when this is talked to Felix, he basically runs off. And this has kind of been the same story with this person, but today there was there was a change. And, you know, you can say, hey, you can forgive yourself or think about this or think about that. And today, uh, I was just in prayer about it, and it was just pointer back to God, pointer to Holy Spirit. And I challenged her rather than saying, this is how I'm going to fi- help you. I, I looked at her and said, I can't help you until you get to the spot. And I encourage you to to go to a quiet spot and spend time with God. If you don't know what to pray or how to pray, to sit there and ask just listen and hoping God, oh, I know he will, if she gives him the, the platform and, and just willing to listen, will guide her through this unforgiveness in her heart um, rather than her running off. We don't know Felix, the rest of his story here. Um, we don't know if you know he ran off and then came to Jesus. We don't, do we have any, is it, we, we know don't know else about him? We don't know. Um, but we all work with somebody. We all live with people. We all have friends that are this. And even when they uh, run off, we, we still have to give them a c- encouragement, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, we can't talk somebody into uh, salvation. You know, we, we have to just point them to Jesus and point them to the Holy Spirit, and he does the rest of the work. That really is, I think, the key to sharing our faith and and our desire and our concern for those around us who are lost uh, for us is really to remember that the Holy Spirit is the only one that changes a heart. And like I, uh, I said uh, last Sunday, uh, November 5th, um, that the hardest cookie sometimes crumbles the best. And I, I can't help but think of Felix here and uh, just even think, you know, Paul wasn't too far from a life change experience with Jesus Christ. Who's to say that Felix wasn't either? And who's to say that whoever is listening to this uh, is never too far gone or too hard hearted uh, to crumble and soften at the sight of Jesus? And I think of your friend that you just mentioned. Um, we all have people around us who are hurting. We all have people who are confused, but just like Felix and his wife, they tend to be drawn to the light. They be, they're drawn to places and people that they can trust and feel safe with. Mm-hmm. And so you never, ever know when a Felix is going to come into your life who needs to know not only about Jesus, but needs to have that opportunity to be convicted of sin, mm-hmm. righteousness, and what was the third one, gentlemen? Judgment. Judgment. Those are 
three very important things that everyone needs to contemplate because if you contemplate it now the holy spirit has that opportunity to convict you and draw you to the love of christ mm. and so with that um, can we just take a moment to pray and um, i'd like to ask our special guest uh, alan here to pray for our listeners and um, it's been an honor to have you alan all right let's pray Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the spiritual men uh, that you have uh, surrounded me with here. God, I ask that you are speaking to the hearts of all those who are listening. I pray that um, if there are things that uh, they need to get off their chest, things that they need to open a heart to, that you will open it, show them where to go. God, put in a heart to pray to you and just submit to you, Lord, and let you do the rest. Um, we need you, Father. We need you. We need all of you. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, thanks for listening this week. We hope that you are finding this podcast informative, that it's filling you up, that you're growing through it, and that it is most importantly helping to encourage you to stay with your chapter a day and really get in the Word every day and grow in your journey in faith. For uh, Weekly Impact, this is Brent Smith. Pastor Phil. Pastor Daniel, Pastor Jacob, Alan Unversal. All right. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.